Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today is one R.J. Conrad from the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania six-piece band known as Rascal Revival. They recently released an EP titled Passing Time Around, which you should take the time to seek out and put this band on your radar. For our conversation today, we're going to discuss a collaboration between Dave Matthews from the Dave Matthews Band and multi-instrumentalist Tim Reynolds of TR3. We're going to be talking about a live album between Dave and Tim called Live at Luther College, which was recorded on campus in Decorah, Iowa. It was recorded all the way back on February 6th of 1996 and was released nearly three years later. It was the first concert recording by the pair to be made available commercially. The album features several previously unreleased tracks and also six songs would appear on the studio album Crash, which was released later in 1996. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest to the program. RJ, thank you so much for making some time uh, to be on Cover to Cover today. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, thank you very much for having me. And thanks for the, the band shout out as well. I'm glad Excellent. we could do this. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So we're going to be uh, traveling back to 1996 to Decorah, Iowa. Kind of a you know an interesting part of the country, a very small town, eighty two hundred people, I believe, was the population in nineteen ninety six. It's an area called the Driftless, you know, kind of a part of the country, you know, according to uh, Decorah's uh, town website, where the glaciers the glaciers missed it, just leaving hills, rivers, and limestone bluffs that draw outdoor enthusiasts of all kinds. Uh, that lends to a really kind of uh, sort of ambient and intimate kind of atmosphere and a perfect record to uh, uh, to be discussing uh, today. Um, first of all, what, what compelled you to choose this record? And uh, how long have you been a fan of, of Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds' collaboration? So I think I chose this, this particular album um, because I heard a particular song on it that um, called One Sweet World that at that point in my lifetime being a teenager I was just trying to find ways to make sense of the world and lyrically this song helped me make sense of the world and the guitar work in it is really what just drew me in initially um, it was unlike anything I'd ever heard before Dave Matthews himself um, I, I had heard some of their music on the radio uh, it's kind of all I listened to growing up was the radio so I, I knew some of their popular hits and that I like their particular some songs. I, I'm not even sure I knew that songs I was fans of were by them until later on. But that set a foundation for, to, to me, for me to become a fan of their music in general and also had a big impact on me as a songwriter and a, and a musician. So I think just hearing that, like I can still like think back and I was in my brother's 93 Chevy Beretta in I believe eighth grade and it was a mixed CD coming off as either before or after a third eye blind song. And I just remember just being blown away the first time I heard it. I had no idea who it was. Um, and then years later, I might get to the story later. Um, years later I heard it again and brought all his memories back. And it really made me pick up a, a guitar permanently. Once I realized that that's, that's what I think an acoustic guitar should sound like. And I'm, I've always been, very drawn to guitar and acoustic guitar specifically. Yeah, friends, we're talking with RJ Conrad here of Rascal Revival on Cover to Cover with Matt Targa. We're talking about Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds and the live album from Luther College. It was recorded uh, way back now in February of 1996. Um, may seem obvious to some listeners, but um, I, I think it needs to be addressed. Yeah. Who is the primary vocalist in this collaboration? Um, is this uh, is, is this kind of like a strict you know duo offering, or is there just kind of some auxiliary musicians that you know that are part of this live recording? Uh, it's 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 just Dave Matthews singing, and then Tim Reynolds has some incredible lead work, um, and he even has a couple songs on here, at least one. 
on this album. I've listened to a ton of their their live stuff over the years, having become a fan uh, since since then. But uh, yeah, he doesn't have to sing. His guitar work just speaks for itself. Uh, and and like I said, like I believe he does on this album. He does stream by himself. Uh, he also does a few other covers. They will just walk away from the stage and let him have a, a few minutes and just magical stuff he can do on the guitar. Beautiful harmonics. Uh, yeah. When I was listening back to this, right? Yeah, it's un- unreal. And I, the only way I can think of personally, the way I can to, to describe his guitar playing is it's, it's almost like so wrong. It's right. Cause sometimes I know like, Oh, like this scale would fit well here or this, and he just plays something that's so completely off the wall, and it just sounds so perfect. I'm like, no, no, that's what she—that's what should be played here, not what I thought in my head made musical sense, but just what he did instead. That's amazing. Yeah, just happy little accidents, you know. Yeah, very, you know, interesting ideas. Right. And how they yeah. Transfer into a live setting is there, there's a danger in that. I, yeah, I love that. I love. Yeah, exactly. I I love that too. And I think any chance I get personally to listen to live music. I mean, even if I have like live recordings now, suffice. Um, but I think personally music is meant to be shared. And I still remember the first time I heard live music. It's one of the things that, that made me want to become a musician. And still, I would say the first thing is the first time I saw live music, uh, a local cover band came to my high, my elementary school and they played a song by Tonic, If You Could Only See, which is my favorite song at the time. I felt like I was the only person in the room, a gymnasium full of kids, surely not behaving. Um, but I still feel to this day, remember the feeling of being the only person in the room. And I was just like, I, I want to do that. I need to do that. And it's funny, they played other songs that were surely covers. And I realized later on in life that they were. But I thought that they were playing original music. And I was just like, I want to do that so badly. And years and years later, I've, I've finally been able to. And I, I think a second thing that has pushed me and, and continues to push me to be a musician is hearing One Sweet World for the first time. And just first and second time. I have my own my own computer, uh, my own internet connection. And a lot of time when I got to college and I just downloaded a ton of music and I took a deep dive into a few different bands. Um, Wyclef John was one of them. Uh, I think that was one of that. I think he sticks out because that was before I took my dive into Dave Matthews band. But I came across this Live at Luther College album, not knowing that it had the original recording of One Sweet World that I'd heard in eighth grade on it. And I, so I downloaded it, just like, yeah, Dave Matthews, acoustic, of course. Um, and One Sweet World was the first thing. I heard the crowd, and I, I'm pretty sure I knew before the guitar was strummed for the first time that it was that exact version, just hearing the crowd. Um, and from that point on, is I, I haven't put my guitar down, basically. Right, so we're talking with RJ Conrad <laughs> of uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania's Rascal Revival here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tark about Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds. Uh, first live offering live at Luther College. It was released in 1996, so the latter half of the 20th century. Um, RJ, I feel like this is kind of an opportune time to talk about some of your absolute favorite tracks. You've alluded to one uh, already, One Sweet World. Um, how would you like to tackle this live record? Would you like to choose your absolute favorites or would you kind of like to just sort of, you know, take a large chunk and uh, go from there? How should we do this? It's a tough question because I have my favorites, but I love that it's a live album. So to get the best experience, I feel like a chunk is what you're going to want to do. I'm all about experience. So as much as I want to say my favorites, I experiencing what they wanted us to experience, I feel like is the best way to go about it. All right. So which, they uh, made a set which, list in a particular, in a, in a, in a way they wanted it to be in. Yeah. He did. Or... All right. So let's, uh, let's start off with in true nineties fashion disc one, because this is a double disc. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the beginning of it is the song once we wrote, if I have my notes written correctly and they go, like I said, the, the lyrics to that just, they, they start off with what, uh, nine planets around the sun. Only one does the sun embrace. Upon this watered one, so much we take for granted. I heard that for the first time as a teenager, and I was like, holy shit, what is this guy talking about? Like, let alone the fact that I was like dancing to an acoustic guitar. 
and to this day, like those those lyrics, they 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 sit with me, and and they go, they go from that into to number forty one, which is one of my one of my favorite songs of theirs. And this particular version is, I think, the best. I I've, I haven't heard a version full band or Dave and Tim that I enjoy hearing more. I mean, don't get me wrong, full band versions are incredible, and oftentimes much longer. So I I might go to that. But if I'm out cutting the grass or something, I don't I don't like to go through twenty songs. I'll put on some Dave or put on some some Grateful Dead or something and just, oh my gosh, my, my entire yard's done in one song. You know? <laughs> let, let, let's uh, talk a little bit more here about number 41. So it yeah. later appeared on 1996's Crash record. Um, I did a little bit of uh, a digging and I came across an article that this song was written, you know, sort of at the brink of stardom for Dave. And there were kind of, you know, some, some people in his life that, you know, maybe were trying to take advantage of uh, his newfound stardom. Is that, is that kind of accurate? There's a line in there that talks about, you know, all at once the ghosts come back. It's like, you know, people kind of preying on your success. Is that possibly what was going on with the, uh, the protagonist here? Absolutely. Um, I, I'm not sure I've, I've read that. But I, I do very much enjoy knowing origins of songs and, and discussing origins of songs. I can run with that. That's just one of those songs for me that I draw my own personal experience. And I think that's part of the beauty of music is sometimes, sometimes as much as I do enjoy knowing the origins of a song, that could also be detrimental because I might take it a completely different way. Um, I, I take the song similarly in my experiences, and, and, and that's why I feel like it very well could be where he was coming from when he wrote it. I mean, I've obviously never been famous and haven't ever been trying to have anybody draw off my stardom, but you can have those similar experiences in life when someone's just drawing from your energy or trying to, to bring you down in any, any way, shape or form for whatever reason for to draw you down or for their own benefit. Yeah. Jealousy, resentment, all those types of feelings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so after number 41, we have a track called trip and Billy's and this was, a. Uh, Interestingly enough, this was featured a, a couple of years earlier on a uh, on a 1993's "Remember Two Things," and then it, uh, another I think iteration appeared on "Crash." You know, a couple of a uh, little while later, you know, in 1996. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about "Tripping Billies"? Is this a kind of a go-to or a favorite track? Uh, this is one of the songs that I became a fan of in my deep dive into their into their music, and I this is one of the first times I heard an acoustic version of it. Um, so initially I was a little bit drawn back. It's not quite the same, not having any other instruments, but Tim Reynolds just comes in and saves the day and just makes me want to listen to, to it again. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, and the same thing with what would you say later on in the, in the, in this disc, I had heard the, the full band version and been a fan of the full band version for so long. And they start that one off significantly slower than the full band. And I, my my first first time I'm hearing it, I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. But by the end, I'm I'm just grooving. And like I said, that that's that's a testament to to what those two can do with acoustic guitars. And the fact that all that's live is just so mind blowing. You you could put two people in a studio and track some of that stuff, and it's just not going to come out nearly the same. Are are there any lyrics on Trip and Billy's that resonate with you in some way, shape, or form? Just things that have kind of stuck with you over time and said, Wow, that's just that's amazing imagery. Is it, does anything stand out for you? Um, probably we're nothing but shadows, nothing but our shadows, shadows falling down on the beach sand. Uh, remembering once out on the beaches we were, and then, yeah, but just the, the image of we're nothing but our shadows is, is just, I, I, I like painting images in my head. And I think it's somewhere sometimes where, um, I get in trouble with my wife. Like I, I look for comedy in, in painting these images in my head in daily life. I get more serious with my music, but I'll paint a picture with my words sometimes, and I'll just get these looks. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, by now I'm painting this picture in my head. This is I'm just looking for something funny, and I found it. <laughs> so is, is it kind of funny to uh, have things that are picked out that are autobiographical? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, like the, the the premise of that song, the the chorus is "Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die." And just that's just another reminder, just to 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 stay in the present and 
and make the best of it, really, which is a common theme in his music. Friends, we're talking with R.J. Conrad of Rascal Revival here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds' first live album from Luther College. Next, we have a track that I believe later appeared on Before These Crowded Streets. So a couple years happened, um, but this is kind of an early version of What Will Become of Me. Is this an instrumental, if I remember correctly? Just kind of used, or this was an excerpt of a song, you know, that appeared later on, uh, Pentala Naga Pampa. Okay, yeah. Yes, which goes into Rapunzel. Yes, um, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I have forgot that was on there. Um, that's a that's a fun. I love, and that's one of the coolest things about the, their their band having all these releases of live music is you can hear the evolution of a of a song. There's another song, uh, "Don't Drink the Water," that you can hear. I have early versions of that. It wasn't that song. It wasn't. It didn't even have that same chorus, but you hear the same verses, and then years later you hear that song come back around. And he's done that with um, some like ad libs and in, in in live performances. I've I've seen just lyrics that he comes up with and then apparently likes i don't know if he already had him picked out and ad-libbed him and tried that tried him out on stage on a different song yeah i love seeing that that evolution of of songs as a songwriter i can really appreciate that because there's been times i'm like man i just wish i should have done this with that song like i I still can't you know there's nothing even if there is a recording yeah you can always kind of tweak something in the studio yeah yeah Yeah. that's even after even after you release it i feel like i've I feel like there's been instances I've seen just being a, a, such a big fan of theirs where I'll, I'll listen to a, a song on YouTube and hear, oh, like these lyrics are for this song, but this song didn't come out till, till a few years after this, this YouTube video. And I, I, I think that's so cool. And I, I, look, I look for things like that when I take dives into the catalogs of other musicians as well. I love, I love seeing that type of stuff. Yeah, I think Green Day did that with a song called Welcome to Paradise. It was yeah. it was released in '92, initially on Kerplunk, and then a couple of years later, it showed up on Dookie, and you could tell like some of the uh, you know arrangements were tweaked just slightly. You know, it yeah. just gave it a little extra punch, and I, I love when artists do that too. And for my you know for my own ears, I think they <laughs> they they made the right call with you know their sort of change in arrangements. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying. And and I, as a musician, I. It, makes me realize that's that's an open door so my band we started out as a three-piece a few years ago and we we did some recordings and we play some of those songs still but now we're a six-piece and we're looking at we have some other some new stuff we're looking at recording and it came up in a conversation do we want to record any of this old stuff because this old stuff is really transformed into some some groovy stuff and it it was originally kind of folky and it just it's it's not that anymore but I'm, i'm all about it i don't think that my personality would want that necessarily, but just knowing that there's musicians out there that have done that in the past, I feel like that door is already open. Sure. A song's never, uh, it's, it's a living, breathing organism, right? Absolutely. It's... Absolutely. All right. So after what will become of me, we have satellite, which appeared, you know, a couple of years earlier on remember two things. And then, you know, this one got, you know, just sort of, you know, tweaked and reconfigured a little bit. Um, the year after that with uh, Under the Table and Dreaming, one of his seminal breakthrough records. And uh, here's a little bit more of a stripped down version. What do you think about Satellite? Um, I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, I The the riff is of it is something that the first time I heard it, my my just my head just got twisted like a pretzel. I was like, what is that guy doing? And how is he doing that while he's singing? Years later, I, I, can, I, I, I can play that song. I don't do it a ton. But... I it, it, that's that's a song that I feel like was one of the first songs that I realized you don't necessarily have to be playing chords for a song it can be a little bit more riff driven and that's something that I now strive to do as a as a songwriter and and I feel like it's so easy for me to come come back to my own music talking about Dave Matthews and because all all of this stems from hearing One Sweet World for the first time and just and the second time the second time is really what made it you know I put my guitar down ever again uh, because. That, that's just the stuff that made me realize acoustic guitar can have a rhythm and make you want to dance and beat and, and have a beat. And so, yeah. Yeah. So after satellite, we have just another epic tune in the catalog here. Crash into me. That Dave Matthews, 1996 album crash. Huge song. Huge song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, it's got some, it's got such a, a, uh, 
the main chord in that song is, a, is very commonly used by him, um, but it's just in that key, it just sounds so wonderful. And apparently a lot of other people think so as well, with it being such a big radio hit. I'm not sure how much they play it anymore. I, I've heard him say that he got sick of it because it got so big. But I, I also heard that his mother and his sister got sick of him playing Satellite over and over again. With no, like, Imagine trying to write that. Like He didn't have any lyrics to it initially. He was just playing that riff over and over and over. I'm sure hours and hours and hours go by. You don't want to hear it anymore. And I, I, probably a similar thing with him like oh play crash play crash like yeah okay I'll, I, I just did it three times yesterday i'll do it again um but yeah a huge song for them and that's definitely one of the songs that made made me become a fan in the early days and it wasn't until i was older and downloaded a lot of music that i was like oh yeah and then the same thing with i think like what would you say and, and the other radio stuff i was like oh like i should have known this was them like i i, I love these songs back then i didn't know they would buy them but yeah, a lot of full circle things with with the way I grew up in music. We're chatting with RJ Conrad of Rascal Revival here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka about Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds' uh, duo collaboration in a live setting, live at Luther College, released back on February 6th of 1996. Following Crash Into Me, we have a track called Deed Is Done. What can you tell us about Deed Is Done? Is this a, is this a favorite? Is this one that you know kind of takes a little bit of a backseat? Um, what do you think about this tune? Uh, it's one of those that it's, it's one of the darker ones, and I, I love that it's after Crash Into Me, quintessential love song. Cause I I feel like I wouldn't necessarily have picked this song out as something to talk about, but the way it runs through, I love the the dynamic and and the the way the setlist runs, and just how how you can go from something so light to something so dark, and then I think the next song is another love song. If I'm correct, I think it's Lover Lay Down. It is um, off of Under the Table and Dreaming. Yeah. 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 Deed is Done is definitely one of those that I don't go out of my way to listen to, but if it comes on, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to change the song either. Because uh, you just, it's one of those songs he just rips into it. He's very passionate. You can hear it, hear it in his voice. And when, when somebody, even if somebody's talking and they have that kind of passion, whatever they're talking about, I'll, I'm there. I'll, I'll, I'll listen. You know what I mean? When you're, when, and he's singing, so I'm, I'm definitely there. Um, but I, I love when people are passionate about things, whatever it is, and when when whatever drew him to to, to write that is definitely what he he must be thinking of when he's singing it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a song on the second on the second CD called Halloween that he just similar kind of a darker song, but he just rips into it and just like for that five minutes or whatever he's he's in pain again, you know, and you can just feel it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm big on being able to being able to feel feel in music, and not even necessarily. Um, don't get me wrong; I love blues, but you you can this you kind of know what's coming next. Um, a lot of the times, in, in in blues and some pop, just the way things the the music works out. And I think one of the things that drew me to to their music so much is that they don't always necessarily match um, what you might think of initially that they still get he'll still give you dark and passionate if that's what he wants the lyrics to if that's what he's trying to give but it's in it's in a, a unique way for sure yeah that's kind of the ebb and flow of a, a great set list in this particular case yeah you know? absolutely and now yeah we're now we're in a dark place with deed is done and then following that with lover lay down like okay you know we're, we're gonna pick it up a little bit and then you know we might you know visit some other parts of my uh my my personality yeah, absolutely, and and that's definitely a, a, one of the things that made me a fan is he shows his personality all the time, whether he's talking in between songs or or the, how he lays out the set list. Like, as much as love as there is, there's going to be dark times, and as much as darkest things are, there's going to be love, and I I feel like I can appreciate that just as a as a human. I'd like to talk about just generally about stage patter throughout this entire live album. Yeah. I feel like he's in some ways trying to not just kind of like lighten the mood on stage, but I think he's also trying to throw some, you know, the audience, you know, a few little just kind of like goofy sort of curveballs. Like, let's make sure we don't take ourselves too seriously tonight, you know? Oh, even, absolutely. Even though this is an intimate audience or an intimate scenario, like, life is fun. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and he, I feel like him and, and a lot of other people, whether 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 it's a, a musician or a comedian, they're able to to know when to drop those types of things. How timing it can be so important. Something can be funny regardless, but the perfect timing of of when you use a particular line or or, or whatever it might be is is what's important. Totally. So after Lover Lay Down, we uh, we have what would you say and. Uh, We've got to just mention who's playing a little bit of harmonic on this. That would be Blues Traveler's John Popper. Yeah, yeah. That's on the studio record. Obviously, yes. this is a, a duo effort, but yeah, just something something of note, especially since Blues Traveler and the Dave Matthews Band were running in really similar circles in the mid nineties. Yeah. Oh yeah, in particular with Horde Tour and you know several other festivals at that juncture in time, but. uh what would you say? What What do you like about this uh, kind of stripped down version of this track? The first time I heard it, I didn't like that it was slow. But by the time the like the groovy bridge jam thing towards the end comes on, and and then they, they even go into something after that. They kind of they have that that standard jam that they do there, um, but then they mix it up and just kind of ad lib a little bit. And just the improvisational nature of it is just something that I, I I'm completely drawn to I, I i love that type of stuff that just seeing musicians go imp- improvise in any way shape or form really I, it's it's magic that's it's the closest thing i can i mean you can have people who don't even speak the same language play music together and it and within a few minutes it could be absolute magic emotions are universal yes absolutely and when you kind of like are feeling the emotion that somebody's trying to project human nature yeah I, this is just my opinion. There's a, there's always that element of call and response. Yeah. Absolutely. How do I respond to what's in front of me or what I'm listening to? Yeah. After what would you say we have a tune from 1993's Remember Two Things. It's called Minarets. What do you like about Minarets? Oh, the first, that, that's, that's a cool song. Really cool song. They, they, I think that might be one of the ones I forget there's two guitars on. Just two people. Like They, they just build up so much sound. And there's a line in that, uh, what you see, he says, what you see, what you see, what you see is human. And I, I, that's just something that, that sticks to, with me personally. Um, whether it be a musician, an athlete, anybody that we look up to as fans in any way, shape or form, like we, that's we all are. And th- there's so many things, so many ways we can actually relate to each other. There's, there's more ways that we can relate to each other, then there are ways that can divide us, but we focus on the division too much. I feel like. Yeah. And in this, and in this situation, you have two people on stage in a completely analog type of scenario. Yeah. I've got pieces of wood strings attached to the wood. There's human emotion being conveyed. There are no laptop computers that are supplying, you know, sound with a vocal. This is like real primitive stuff here. Absolutely. And to this day, like I, I I I I think I always have just had an appreciation for just authentic organic music in that sense. Just especially as as the electronic age has progressed, I will go see someone play guitar and sing into a microphone all day before I'll go to to some of these other options. We're we're talking with R.J. Conrad of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania's Rascal Revival here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, all things Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds and their uh, collaboration on stage back in 1996, a live recording live at Luther College. What's after Minarets? We have Cry Freedom, which appeared on 1996's Crash. What do you say about Cry Freedom? Not a favorite of mine. I, I think it's just because I've, I've heard every song in their catalog at this point. Not a bad song in any way, shape, or form, but just on a, on a numbers aspect, uh, it's not up there. Again, I'm it, I might skip it. I might not. I'm not sure. I probably wouldn't. I don't know. It's yeah. hard for me to it's hard for me to skip any of their songs. But if there's anything that I might, it might be that. And I'm not even sure why. After Cry Freedom from 1996's Crash, we have Dancing Nancys, which appeared. Uh, what's well, kind of sandwich? We went from remember two things to crash, and now 1994's under the table and dreaming, dancing Nancy's. Are there any uh, lyrics that resonate with you? Any sort of, uh, I don't know, tones out of Tim Reynolds's guitar that just kind of make your hair stand on end on this track? 
<laughs> so this this particular song, actually, I ha- I do have lyrics from this song tattooed on me, so I I do have to mention that. <laughs> uh, what's the use in worrying? What's the use in hurrying? This is one of those songs. It was this version and then other versions, other acoustic versions and full band version that I kind of took deep dive into the, into this song. So I, so if I was taking a deep dive into this, this was when I was in college and I had the time to, to do that type of thing. And I had a more open mind and and just really realized that there were some things in my life that I was just worrying way too much about. And what's the use in worrying? What's the use in hurrying? I just put the switch in me, I, in a way. And I, I still have to remind myself here and there, but it was pretty it was pretty significant, like, oh, yeah, there's not really much of a use in in worrying. And there's there are instances where you should hurry up a little bit, but <laughs> um but I get the point and I, I think it, it, it draw that line is necessary. if it was just what's the use in worrying, I don't think that it would be as poignant, but what's the use in worrying, what's the use in hurrying kind of just sums it up enough that I was just like, Yeah, that's kinda of life changing stuff to hear. Um Similar to the nine planets around the sun thing with, with one sweet world, but I had a, I was older, so I was just more more mature in general and able to understand it better. And yeah, that's one of my my favorite songs of theirs. Awesome. After um, after dancing Nancy's, we have, well, we take our CD player out. <laughs> If if we have just a single yeah. disc player instead of, yeah. you know, a five or six CD, you know, <laughs> player, yeah. if you will. What era was your car built in? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so and, they don't uh, even make, they don't even have CD players in some cars anymore. You have to, like, you have to ask for it. Is that right? Yeah, okay. it's, a, it's an option now. Huh. Well, I'm going to hang on to my car as long as I can. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> it is a 21st century vehicle, but yeah, I... I I got lucky with the yeah. CD player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, we have a second disc here as part of this whole live uh, recording. And we start off with typical situation. Also from the same record, 1994 is under the table and dreaming. Um, is this a great start to disc two? Yes. This is a, it's a good, very good song. I think I like the full band version a little bit more, but this whole, this whole album is just so spectacular. That could very well just be me nitpicking. I, I do really enjoy the song a lot. I wonder if it's a companion to uh, One Sweet World. Because we, we, we're we hearing about these nine planets around the sun again. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. Maybe it was written around the same time or... No, I, 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 do, I, do, I do see the, the, uh, the correlation there. And I'm trying to think if there's any other songs that have similar imagery. Like As a songwriter, I go... I go to time a lot and and space and just things that are going on in the world. And I, I found myself repeating themes a lot. And it's not necessarily one of his that I feel like it repeated a lot, but there's, there might be a, a couple of songs that, that mention stars and planets and whatnot. Though I, have, I am curious, where do we stand with Pluto now? Is, is it, does he need to change Pluto- his lyrics? Uh, yeah, he might have to since Pluto yeah. is now uh, uh, persona non grata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still work on that. You know, work with that. Uh, what is it? That mnemonic device. Oh yeah, what is that? My, one? I th- the one I ha- learned was uh, this was when I was in first grade back in the eighties. My very educated mother just served us nine pizzas. <laughs> yeah. So so pizzas I- I equals Pluto. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've seen in recent years they've gone back and forth between Pluto being a planet, and I don't know why they keep going back and forth, or why it really matters that much. Besides, from, um, if you're going to write a song about nine planets being around the sun, or eight, or nine, or whatever, I I think it belongs. Yeah, I think I do. it does too. It's been long enough. Like, <laughs> just grandfather in, if nothing else. You know what I that's, mean? That's right. That's like, right. Even if it doesn't yeah. meet the qualifications, like it's been a planet long enough. Just let it be. Oh my gosh! After after difficult situation, we have uh, we have an instrumental called Stream, and uh, from what I you know from what I heard after listening back to this entire live record, seems like there's a you know a heavy draw on some Indian influences, a lot of really cool arpeggiated chords. Um, it's just a really nice placement, you know, in this yeah. over, in this overall set list here. What, yeah, uh, what do you like about Stream? Tim Reynolds just. It's just unbelievable, honestly. Like, 
I since the first time I've heard this to now, I still have the same understanding of it in my in my brain. Like just none. Like uh, what, how he can do some of the stuff he does on the guitar, it's just unbelievable. Mind blowing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. After stream, we uh go back to nineteen ninety four's Under the Table and Dreaming and it's Warehouse. What do you think about this uh this version of Warehouse? I like this version. There's like a so this song they they have various intros too. They're very similar, but they just build up differently, and they build up differently according to the guitar work and his voice and what he chooses to to do with it. Because I've heard plenty of other versions, I, there are other versions, full band versions I like more. But the influence behind this particular version of it is is like you said, it's like an Indian, like South African, the way it builds up in the in the beginning. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it, but I, ha- I I still have to mention that there's other versions of it I like I like better. But that, that's a fun song in general. Just even if they, no matter how they do it, it's always the the introduction, the beginning of it. it it's always it's always a lot of fun. No matter which end of which end, which end no matter which end of the spectrum it's on, or anywhere in between. Um, yeah, like I said, it's a weird spectrum of introductions they have for that song. Mm-hmm. There there was a lyric that stood out for me. So we can see the black cat changing colors. And we can walk under ladders and swim as the tide turns you around and around. I, I love that. that. Yeah. That's really just super cool imagery. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's, I don't, I don't know how he comes up with some of this stuff, but yeah. It, yeah. Right. The imagery is, especially as someone who like, I'm very, I big I paint images in my head in a way, like uh, just I, whatever someone's saying in a, in a song, especially if it's, if it's telling a story, like I, I try to see it. Friends, we're talking with R.J. Conrad here of Rascal Revival here on Cover to Cover with Matt Targa, all things Dave Matthews, and Tim Reynolds live at Luther College. We have Christmas Song next, which was recorded for 1993's Remember Two Things. What do you think about uh, this Christmas track? Is it worthy of a good playlist? It depends on your version of a, of a, a Christmas song. This is the closest thing to the actual story of Christmas I feel like I've ever heard. Does it talk about Santa? You know, it's 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 pretty straightforward in, in how it goes, and he still has a unique point of view in how he tells the story. So, as as a songwriter and as someone who really appreciates the Bob Dylan's of the world and those types of, of songwriters and poets, I think that aspect of it is phenomenal. It's not something you're going to dance to, per se. It's very laid back, but but the story is clearly what's trying to be driven home. This is probably not a song that you would try to synchronize with a Christmas light display. No, 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 absolutely not. It's not. Yeah, it's not going to be upbeat, like you said. It's not, probably not going to be on any any Christmas playlist or anything. But, um, but yeah, just a, a very well written song in general. Yeah. After Christmas song, we uh, we stick with 1993's "Remember Two Things" and we have "Seek Up." Do you think this is a good? I don't know. Position in the sequence of the set list. Do you like the song? What uh. What stands out for you with Seek Up? I do like the placement of it. Um, I feel like coming off of the Christmas song, it, it, it builds up a little bit without being completely the opposite of what the Christmas song was. And I feel like it's one of his more human songs. I mean, he flat out talks about emotion and how we handle it. And I, I think he, talk, he talks about uh, a cup overflowing in it, which is a fairly common image that people paint um and, and metaphor that people use but he's, he's still able to use it in a way that's unique and with kids who are four three and one that's emotion is something that we're very beginning to discuss and we listen to a lot of music here especially with me being a stay-at-home dad which is incredible it's, it's going to be something that i feel like i'm going to use as just as, as a parenting tool just the cup the cup image and like I said, it's a good fit for the way the the concert itself flows. Not even that it, as an album, but like I, I remind myself listening to this, and it's not hard to be reminded of when you hear the crowd and and Dave talking in between songs and just being a weird dude in general. Uh, he wouldn't get that on a regular album, which I strive to be. Like I, I'm so jealous he can be that weird in front of that many people. Like I, I can be that weird in front of my three kids, but like that's a lot of people to be that weird in front of. He's a strange cat, man. He has access to a lot of voices on the yeah. spot. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love your description of uh, Seek Up. 
following Seek Up, Say Goodbye. Yeah. Uh, the energy of this song is a little, is, is a little bit more than, than Seek Up. So as far as building the energy of, of the live experience, it's, it's a great song choice. Um, I, I've heard him say in, in other recordings that, like, in hindsight, this probably isn't a good idea. It's, the song's about cheating with a friend and trying to leave it at that. But he apparently he has fans that have told him that that song is their song. So he, he still continues to play it, even though he'll admit that it's not the best message in the world. <laughs> yeah well good on you i guess wait no probably not congratulations what do i say here <laughs> <laughs> i wonder if that's just kind of a regular thing you know that's become part of his stage pattern nowadays right like, yeah this is how i really feel about this but yeah it's, I feel like I have it's, to address it's this. on the world and it's yours yeah yeah <laughs> do with it whatever you want yeah uh so after say goodbye I, I believe this uh, concludes the entire live experience at Luther College, and that's Ants Marching. What a joyful, joyful track to, you know, leave the audience wanting more. From 1993's Remember Two Things initially, and then um, was, you know, just kind of, you know, I, I don't know if it was remixed or just uh, generally re-recorded, but it showed up on Under the Table and Dreaming. What do you think about this uh, stripped-down version of Ants Marching? Oh, it's super cool. Um, yeah. I, I, I never heard an acoustic version of this song until I heard this album. Even, even, even the deep dive I took into the, into the band, I, I hadn't, and it, it was just super cool to hear, um, and to hear, hear them play, build up the energy and play a, a super familiar song to go from, I feel like, I mean, I, granted I heard this album years later, but I can't imagine Christmas song was, something that people were chanting for or had signs they wanted to hear. So, so a couple of songs later hitting them with a big hit, it's probably a good idea. Right. You know, in, in the midst of our conversation here, I realized I jumped the gun. Ants marching is kind of halfway through disc two. We yeah. have, a, we have a couple more tracks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll we do. Fo yeah. Yeah. Follow, following ants marching, marching, we have a song called little thing, which clocks in, at uh, a very modest six minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, yeah. Does Little Thing resonate with you? Is You think this is a, I think it's a, a cool song, good placement in the set list. Uh, what say you? I feel like it, it takes some guts to go from the hit, the mammoth ants marching to go and just basically talk your way through a song. <laughs> um, totally. It, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a unique song and it's a cool story. And I'm not sure it, it fits outside of, a live setting. Um, I, and it's an original between the two of them. It's not a Dave yeah. Matthews band song, right? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Okay. okay cool. Um, yeah. I just think it's to go from so, like I said, so, so, so big to just this, he basically, basically talking. There's, there's, there's a little bit of instrumentals to it, but he's just telling this story and, and then he'll hit, he'll hit you know, like with, with this, this weird voice of his, like you were talking, he has all these voices and he's telling this story in, in these voices. And it's just like, I'm listening. Like, I'm enjoying this. Like, why is he talking so much? But I'm enjoying this. It's 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 definitely unique. It's definitely I feel like it would only fit in a live setting. Like if I heard that on an album, I'd skip it. But hearing being able to hear an audience react to to some of the stuff that he says and does and, and is part of the magic and in re-listening to it, not there. Yeah, I'm I'm curious with a population of eighty two hundred in nineteen ninety six, the the town itself, um where Luther College is located, I wonder how many people in the town showed up for the concert. Right, right. <laughs> you know, or how many, or how many members of the student body showed up for the concert. Yeah, yeah. You know, like he he picked a very intimate setting. You know, when he is an absolute superstar. I mean, he's all over terrestrial FM radio. Yeah. You know, under the table and dreaming came out two years prior. He's working on Crash. Crash. Obviously, we know today, but you knew that that was also going to be a really big record too. Um, just a really cool choice to find, you know, a small, you know, a small school in the Midwest to try out some new material, revisit some of the old stuff. Just this is just such a unique, you know, part of his catalog. Yeah, definitely. I think the location is definitely very fitting for the setting they they present with the music. Like just two, two acoustic guitars. And the vocals, and that's it. Like you don't, you're not going to hear anything they don't, they don't do. You're not going to hear, 
you're going to hear every mistake. You're going to, it's just as authentic as you can get, in my opinion. Absolutely. We then move forward to Halloween, which you mentioned just a couple of minutes ago. This didn't show up, uh, you know, in any sort of studio format until before this crowded streets, which was uh, back in 98. So this is a pretty, I would imagine a pretty early uh, version, more than an excerpt. It's, it's pretty much fully formed. Just yeah, kind of hung on to it for a couple yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did hear, and I'm not sure how long after this out, this recording was recorded, but I do know the first time that they played this song, they'd never rehearsed it as a band. Um, Dave kind of just told Carter, just, I want this out of you for this and follow along. I'll build it up. And, and then that kind of just how the song went from there. They kind of just wrote it on the spot. I mean, Dave had the whole song figured out from front to back, but it's like the rhythm section Mm -hmm. uh, came up with it on, on the spot. It's yeah. a really cool song too. I mean, it's not necessarily about Halloween, um, but coming off of the rise and the, and the dramatic rise and fall from ants marching into little thing, Halloween packs a nice punch coming off the, the storytelling of little thing. From Halloween, we have Granny. Kind of takes you down a little bit. There's some hints of you know some you know, kind of melancholy, a la Nick Drake. Granny appeared on Under the Table and Dreaming, from what I remember. Um, second to last track now, on you know, yeah. as part of the entire set list. Do you think this is a nice cool down track? Does it kind of throw you for a you know for a loop in some respects? Uh, what do you think about the song in general? I think uh, coming off of Halloween, it doesn't have quite the intensity, but it still keeps the energy level up in a much in a necessarily up. Coming off of little things, it's up, I should say. But um, yeah, you're right; it is a bit melancholy. But it, the he kind of reintroduces the concept of love in this song. Um, I mean, he talks about love in Halloween, but he's saying love is hell. A little bit different from love being deep inside us all, which he talks about in Granny. I feel like that was intentional, having a song looking at love in a positive light to finish in, instead of Halloween. But yeah, I think it's 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 a, it's a cool song. It's 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 got a weird time signature, which is which is fun. It's 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 fitting. I wouldn't say it's necessarily perfect coming off of Halloween to go into two step at the end, but it's it's in the nice it's in the range. I feel like the song needed to be to be in between those two. Let's talk about two step here. This this is a you know just like ants marching. You know several songs before that, also an incredibly joyful track. Does it leave the audience you know just wanting more? Are they completely spent? What do you get from Two Step? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. I mean, it's a, it's one of their more popular songs, especially as a band. But I feel like with all the rise and fall of of the the, the concert experience, it's it's a great one to finish with. Um, they generally finish with higher energy, and and this one does. It's higher than higher than Granny, and it's it's a good reminder. I feel like to go to go off on like life is sweet for short for certain. I feel like that's intentional. Every time he, he talks about love in a negative light or talks something negative, it's right back to, to positive thoughts and, and just looking at things from that point of view. Nice. We have now just concluded disc two. If we are in 1996 or 1999, when this was released, <laughs> um, talking with, R.J. Conrad of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania's Rascal Revival here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, All Things Dave Matthews, and Tim Reynolds in their first live offering live at Luther College. Um, R.J., I would like to uh, wrap up our conversation here by just talking a little bit about cover art. So uh, we live in this weird Wild West still in the 21st century. You know, there are a multitude of different ways that people release music these days. Um, but the one kind of ever present thing is some form of cover art. When you take a look at this album cover, do you think it's an accurate representation of what you are about to experience? Um, what grabs you about this? The album cover is pretty simple. Um, it's just a a blue background with Dave Matthews in red, orange and Tim Reynolds in I think yellow live Luther college might be, it's just pretty straightforward with text. Um, which I think is very accurate for it being just two acoustic guitars and some vocals. And but what's what's cool if you if you look closely, which I I don't know if I ever had prior to 
to decide if this was going to be the album that I was going to talk about. But if you look closely you, in the blue, you'll actually see like little specks. And it, I feel like that's um, just indicative of, of the, you don't really like the fireworks that you don't, like, I didn't know that two acoustic guitars could, to, could make those sounds like, or even just one guitar. Some of the time, like it just, I had never heard acoustic guitar being played that way before. And to go from just a simple text to that it represents the two acoustic guitars and the vocals to just walking out the other side of the album, your hair spiked up in the air, your mind blown, like what just happened? Um, I think those little specks, I feel like are just a foreshadowing of what you're about to get yourself into. I love that. RJ Conrad of Rascal Revival. Thank you so very much for being on the program today, talking about all things Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds and uh, live at Luther College. This has been really great fun. Very good time. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks so much to all of you for taking some time to stop by the program today. For all of you listeners out there, thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcasts, whether that's on Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, or maybe even Amazon. Take a moment to tell a friend or tell some of your family members about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That will certainly help us appear higher in search results. And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover. Cover.